we are entering into a, a rather, rather lengthy discourse that our Lord is giving, basically centered around something that has previously happened, which has been the, the feeding of the 5,000 with the loaves of bread and the, and the fishes that the people saw and the people enjoyed and, and the people sought to make him a king because of. And we're looking at, at what Jesus is going to now teach about that miracle. I told you early on in John that John is built around seven signs or seven miracles. And then with each one of those, there is a corresponding discourse or a corresponding teaching that goes along with the sign that John has chosen to show that this is indeed the Messiah. This really is the Son of God. They don't always come immediately. They don't always come back to back. Sometimes there's uh, an interspersed event in between the two, and, and that's what happened here. We had him feeding the 5,000, then going off to be alone. The disciples going to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus walking out to them on the boat in the middle of the storm in that fifth sign that we looked at last week, showing the, the power of, of Jesus being the Lord of the storm, the Lord of nature, the Lord over all things. Now he comes back, and the people are gathering. They're still pursuing him. They're coming after him. They're wanting to ask him questions, still wanting to make him a king. Uh, and, and this is his uh, teaching about that miracle. Now, it's a lengthy passage. It's, it's chapter 6, beginning basically in, in verse 26 and, and really going all the way through verse 71, the end of the chapter. Uh, we will not cover all that today. That is not why I have a piece of bread here. Somebody said they saw that and thought, boy, this is going to be a long one today. He brought a snack in the middle of it. Uh, that's not what that's here for. It's merely as a, I don't use object lessons often, but I thought today, bread of life, we'd talk about bread a little bit, and I'd have some uh, before me here. Uh, fortunately, Jeff didn't get hungry and eat it during the, the, the worship time. But, but in this passage, it's really broken up into three different sections. In the order of worship today, I listed the section of, of verses 25 through 35 and 48 through 58 as being the sections we'll look at today. That's probably a little ambitious. We probably won't get to the second part of that. But I love what Charles Spurgeon said about this passage, this, this discourse. It's, it's really two different discussions of bread in the two passages I listed there. And then there's in the middle of it a, a discussion of grace. And, and Spurgeon called this a grace sandwich. He said, you know, for a sandwich, you always have two pieces of bread. And so in this passage, you have him talking about bread on the front end and bread on the back end. And in the middle, you have grace. Well, I was going to try to hit both of the pieces of bread today, but we'll probably only get to one as we look at these first verses, verses 25 through uh, 35. So listen to the word of the Lord as I read that this morning. Going back to 25, really the passage starts in 26, but I want to remind you that when they found him, that is the people found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Now, notice the, the very clear distinction Jesus is making here. They saw the loaves and the fishes. They saw the miracle, but they didn't understand the sign nature of it. They ate of the fishes. They ate of the bread. They enjoyed the feast that was prepared there by the mere blessing by, by Jesus of what was given to him, but they don't understand the sign part of it. You'll see that again in just a minute. But you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which persists, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of God will give to you, for on him the Father, God, has set his seal. 
Therefore they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What then do you do for a sign, so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers, they ate manna in the wilderness. What Brother Scott read a moment ago to us. Our fathers, they ate manna in the wilderness. As it was written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. And he said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. And then let's go ahead and read verses 48 through 58 just to kind of sandwich these two together. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the man in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to him, to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. And He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him, as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. He who eats me also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Now, there's something of a foreshadowing here of what we find just before Jesus goes to the cross when he takes the bread and takes the wine and he, he blesses it and they observe what is known as the Last Supper and we call it now the Lord's Supper or communion when we come around this table, which we do uh, every month and, and celebrate the Lord's uh, death and burial and resurrection and celebrate that he's coming again. There's a foreshadowing of that. There's a, there's a foreteaching of that, if you will, that these people are just absolutely stunned by. Uh, you need to realize there are several different groups at work here in, in this particular passage. You find, first of all, in verses 26 through 29, basically Jesus talking to the people who do not believe. They, they like what they see because they are basically materialist. They're, they're materialist in the sense of they, they, they are driven by their appetites. They're driven by what they want and by what they need and what they want to have given to them by the Lord. They're not really concerned about eternal life. They're not really concerned about the bread of life, if you will, that Jesus calls himself. But they're very much concerned about what this man who is doing miracles among them can do for them. And so they follow him and they say, listen, tell us what we need to do. I love the way they, they concentrate on the work side of it. What can we do? How can we earn it? What will it take for us to really get what you've got that we can have it every single day? But they're materialist. 
they're only thinking about the temporal. They're only thinking about the bread that you eat today and have to eat again tomorrow. They're thinking about this kind of bread. It's good. In many parts of the world, even today, this is the most basic element of their food. And in Jesus' day, it really was. They ate bread as a source of nourishment and as a source of life. And they would eat that to be filled so that they could make it into another day. That's why Jesus in the Lord's Prayer said, Give us this day our daily bread. Now, now we kind of amplify that a little more because we live in a culture that, that doesn't eat a lot, as much bread or doesn't depend on it as much as they did. We eat a lot of bread. I haven't eaten a lot of bread lately because I've, I've, I've dropped some weight and that's been my primary way. Because you eat this with other stuff and boy, it'll put it on. But, but as, a, as a source of nourishment in Jesus' day, and in many parts of our world today, bread is the basic source of nourishment. And, and so Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. When they heard Jesus say that in the model prayer, they immediately didn't think about just everything we need. They thought about bread. Give it to us. And these people here think about, yes, Lord, we want this bread. We want bread that will be given to us every single day so that we don't, have to, we don't have to do anything else. We can just have that bread. What kind of work do we have to do to get it? Because they were basically materialists. In verses 30 through 35, Jesus is going to concentrate more on who he is, who this preacher is that's calling for their faith. He's not talking about the people, but he tells the people who he is. And then in verses 36 through 59, which we won't even get into today, but he's talking to those who believe. So you've got the, the materialists, the world, who are outside of faith. They, they want the miracles. They want what Jesus can do, but they don't want Jesus. You've got who he is, and then you've got him talking to his disciples, call, talking to those who have believed, talking to those who are, are, are really wanting to know what this truth is. And then the last part of this chapter we'll see where Jesus talks about the cost of real discipleship, the cost of really following him. But I want you to see in verses 25 through 35 this morning particularly, what he's having to say when he talks, of, talks to these people about those miracles that he had. He, he says in verse 26 very clearly, you come and you seek me, but you don't seek me because you saw the sign. And we, and we know that because they verify that a little bit later when, when they say in verse 30, what then do you do for a sign so that we may see and, you may, and we may believe you? What work do you perform? I mean, these are the same people, folks, who have been seeing him do miracles for, for days, for months even, all around, and they saw the big miracle of feeding the 5,000, and, and now they come back and say, okay, okay, we, we want to know more about this. What kind of miracle, what kind of sign are you going to do for us now that we might be able to believe? You know, if you were standing there, one of the disciples listening to these people, don't you know you would have just been scratching your head? Just looking at them saying, what are you talking about? You followed him over here because of a miracle. You followed him over here because he fed 5,000 people. And now you're asking, okay, what kind of sign are you going to do? Indicative of the fact that they were not interested in the spiritual truth of our Lord. They were only interested in the material truth of our Lord. They were, they were materialists. They were looking for what would fill their bellies today and assure they'd be filled tomorrow and, and would fill, fulfill all their earthly desires, their, their physical desires, but had no real understanding of what he was talking about. I, I want you to see here in verse 27 that Jesus talks about three very quick things, kind of rapid fire. In verse 27, he starts out by saying, listen, do not work for the food which persists. Don't work for the food that has to be taken over and over and over again, that just continues on. That, don't, don't work for that. 
What he's saying there is don't sell out your life to this world. Don't sell out everything you are to just getting what this world can provide for you. He's saying to them, quit being materialist. I know in our day, when we think of materialist, we think about somebody that just builds big houses and drives big cars and has big bank accounts and and they just live for the next thing they can have. You know, they're kind of the John D. Rockefeller type, where Rockefeller was asked one time, you know, uh, how much money is enough? And his answer was just a little bit more. Or we think of a guy, uh, the same guy, Rockefeller, John D. Rockefeller, who, who one day decided he wanted this particular prized piece of art, and, and he couldn't find it. So he, he sent people out to, uh, he hired people, paid them hundreds of thousands of dollars to go out and find this piece of art. And they searched the world over looking for it, only to find out, about, after several months of searching, that that piece of art was in one of John D. Rockefeller's warehouses. He already owned it. But he, he just had to have more. We think about materials like that. It's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about somebody, anybody, who just lives for now. Who just, just lives in the now. Who's just worried about themselves right now. Who, who only wants to know the, the joy or the happiness of having their bellies filled and their basic needs met. And, and they don't think about spiritual things. They don't think about eternal life. They, don't think, they just think about now. That's what these Galileans were like. That's how they were living. They, they, and Jesus said, don't do that. Don't live for that. We have a lot of people in our churches today that are just like that. They say, look, I, I'm not into this Bible study and prayer stuff. I'm not into really getting involved in that kind of thing. I just want to come to church, feel good, and leave. I just want to come and kind of get some kind of a, a, a good tickling feeling out of being here and then go my very way and I'll come back next week and you can give me that again. That's the food that persists. That, that's the food that has to be over and over and over again. Jesus says, don't pursue that. But rather pursue, he says, he forbids pursuing that. Then he, he gives, I guess you call it advice. I think it's a command in reality. He says, but labor, labor, work for the food that endures to eternal life. You know, there's, there's a food that'll get you through the day. And there's a food that'll get you through tomorrow. But there's a food that will su- be sufficient and satisfying now, tomorrow, and for eternity. And Jesus says you need to learn what that food is. You need to learn what that bread is. This bread has to be replenished every single day. The bread I'm talking about is a bread that endures to eternal life. And and then he makes this phenomenal promise. What a promise he holds out. He said, this bread that the Son of Man will give you, talking about himself, this bread will be a bread that endures to eternal life. You'll you'll never need to have it replenished. It never has to be repeated. If you have this bread, it goes on and on. For the Father has put his seal upon him, upon Jesus. Now, I think there's a little bit of a, a fore, foreshadowing there, a foreteaching about the resurrection even. That, that he doesn't mention the resurrection, but the resurrection becomes the seal of God upon everything Jesus said and everything that he did. And here Jesus is saying, I want you to know the Father, God himself, has placed his seal upon my work. And then he goes on. And they say to him, well, what do we do? How do we work? How do we earn it? How do we get it? And Jesus comes back to them and says the simplest thing that had to have just blown their mind. He said, listen, here's the work of God. You know what the work of God is? 
No, tell us. We've been working for God. We've been obeying the laws. We've been going through all the rituals. We've been going through the sacrifices and going through the feast. And we've done everything in the law that we possibly could have been told of. Tell us which one of those are most important. He says, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. It's the same thing Paul says in Romans when he says, you know, it's, no man is justified by the works of the law, but by faith in the only begotten Son of the Father. Same thing Paul says in, in Ephesians chapter 2 that we looked at a couple of weeks ago on Sunday night. When, when Paul writes there, he says, listen, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not of works so that no man can boast. Jesus has given us that same teaching here to these people who are listening. He's saying, here's the work of God. Here's what brings life. We sang about it this morning in the song, Only Your Mercy, Only Your Grace, Only Your Spirit Can Bring Us to Faith. Jesus is saying here, listen, it's not a matter of working. It's not a matter of earning. It's not about being able to do enough for God. But rather, it's a matter of understanding that you believe in him who the Father has saved. Believe in him. Not just believe about him. Not just see 5,000 people fed and say, wow, that's a great miracle. Now show us a sign. It's not just believing that Jesus even is just the Son of God. Oh, I believe he's the Son of God. It's not a matter of just saying, I believe about him, everything that the Scripture says about him, but it's believing him. Believing him. Believing him to be the truth. Believing him to be the way. Believing him to be the life. He says here, I am the life. I'm the bread of life that the Father has sent down. It, it's not just believing stuff about him, but it's believing him and believing in him and placing your trust and your faith in him and him alone. It's, it's not a matter of saying, you know, I, I believe in Jesus and now I'm going to try to earn that. You, you can't do that. It's not I believe in Jesus and I tithe and I know God will be happy because I tithe. No, I think you ought to, you ought to give. You ought to give abundantly. You ought to give beyond the tithe probably. But but that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about doing something in addition to believing Jesus. I, I like Tullian's uh, uh, little book they wrote. Your guy would say his last name, but I can't. But his first name's Tullian. You can find it. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And that's what he's saying here. It's not a matter of Jesus plus something that brings about eternal life. It's Jesus, faith in him, trusting in him. And that's what he's wanting these people to see. And they are missing it. Then he talks about himself. When they say, starting in verse 30, you know, what then do you do for a sign? What are you going to show us? Do something else? Can you, can you top the 5,000? Is there something you can do that will be better than that? I mean, that's really what they're saying. We're going to hang around. We're going to see what you'll do. And then maybe. But they're still materialists. They're still just looking to themselves. And then they bring up this matter of manna. Said, you know, our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. As it was written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. I love that passage on the manna out of Exodus chapter 16. Because I, there's that little thing about uh, the people that always comes up all through the, the period of the wilderness wanderings. And, and you've probably heard it as, as Scott read it. You know, and the people grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the Lord heard their grumbling against Moses and Aaron. Of course, made it clear that their grumbling wasn't against Moses and Aaron. Their grumbling was against God. Oh, we've come out here in the wilderness, and 
I wish he'd have just killed us back there in Egypt. Just let us die in Egypt because there we had bread and meat and, and later they'll argue and say we had olives and garlic and, and leek and all sorts of, of great things to have along with that bread and meat. Why, why don't you just let us die back there? That, that, is so, that is so indicative of materialism. I always look back and say, you know, we had it a little better. Maybe we should just die. And, and, and these people are saying, okay, we know, you know, Moses was used of God to give our fathers manna. And they ate the manna in the wilderness. Later they grumbled about this manna. It's funny how they were given the manna. And they said, yeah, but at one time we had quail. And so God said, okay, you want quail? I'll give you quail. It says he sent so much quail that it was coming out of their nostrils. They had so much quail. I mean, they, it was like, okay, you're going to grumble about that. I'll show you what quail is all about. So finally they cried out and said, okay, enough, enough already. And, and that's just the way we are. It's just the way we are. We're, we're never satisfied with what God has done and what God is doing and the provision that God chooses to give us at any particular time. We really do come across like the Galileans a lot of times, materialists. I want more. How much is enough? Just a little more. We, we, we look for things, even spiritually sometimes, we look for things that we already have in Christ. And we go out and we seek a greater experience. We look for a bigger sign. We, we say, okay, Lord, okay, I, you know, I, I, you saved me back then, and I know I'm saved, but, but no, I just need something. I need, another, I need another excitement in my spiritual life. Can you do something? We pursue after that which God has already given us. Paul said in Ephesians 1, he said, Listen, you who are in Christ have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. That's bread. That's the bread of life. And so Jesus says, when they say, Show us another sign that we can see so that we can believe in you. What are you going to perform? What are you going to do for us? Our fathers had the manna. What are you going to do? Give us bread. What are you going to do? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, verily, verily, I say to you, it is not Moses who's given uh, you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who has given it to you. For the bread of God that is, which has come down out of heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. And he said to them, I am the bread of life. I am. That's really the, great, the first great clear ego I me, I am passage in this scripture. It's implied in some other places, but this is the first time he looks at these people and he says, I am the bread of life. And I've told you before, when they heard those two little words, I am, in the Greek, ego I me, when they heard those two little words, they immediately thought not of bread, not of a piece of bread like that, but they immediately heard that I am, and their minds went back thousands of years to that burning bush when Moses was called to lead them out of Egypt, and Moses said, who shall I tell them has sent me? When I go down there, who am I to go down there? Who am I going to say sent me? And God says out of the burning bush, he says, tell them that I am has sent you. I am that I am, not I was, not I will be, not I am coming. He said, you tell them that I am. We, we translate that in some translations, Yahweh. In some translations, it's Jehovah. But it's the great covenant presence of Almighty God. 
And so when Jesus says to these people, talking about spiritual bread that's better than this bread, talking about spiritual bread that comes down out of heaven to feed them and give them eternal life and and not be something that has to be repeated, he looks at them when they say, give us this bread, and he says, I am the bread of life. I am. I'm it. When they heard that I am, they heard more than just a a Galilean preacher. They heard more than just someone they had seen doing miracles. When they heard him say, I am the bread of life, they heard him saying, I am who I am. I am that I am. I am the one who spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. I am God in fleshed. I am God incarnate. And I am the bread that you must eat of. And he who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. They're still materialists. Still thinking about what you can get out of this. You're still thinking about how can I make you a king so that you can give me the greatest welfare system that's ever been had. I can have my food every day provided for me by you, Jesus. Later on, and we'll look at it more in depth in a couple of weeks, but but he, he's going to say in that last part of the passage I read just a little bit, he's going to say, you know, unless you come to me and eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink of his blood, you have no life in yourselves. I mean, this was one of the great charges against the early church. They're a bunch of cannibals. They're eating flesh. They're drinking blood. When they come to the Lord's table and have the bread and the wine, and they would, they would say, this is, my, this is my body, and this is, my, this is the blood of, blood of Christ, and the body of Christ. And, and people said, oh, they come together, and they're cannibals. They, they, they eat flesh, and they eat blood. That's why I carefully, when I, we do the Lord's Supper, because there are children in here, and I want to make this clear now, that, uh, because I, I had one church one time and I did this, I just talked about the blood, the body of, this is the body of Christ, this is the blood of Christ, and, and one of the children got really upset and went home and said, Daddy, why is, why is Pastor Bill making us drink blood? It does sound a little strange. It's not literal blood, and we, we don't even believe that when we drink it, it becomes blood. It, it, is, it is symbolic. It is, it is descriptive. But it's a celebration of what Christ has done. And Jesus says, listen, if you don't eat it, if you don't drink it, then you're not going to be mine. You have, you have no life in yourself. You're not of me. And, and ultimately, the people are going to say, this is difficult. This, this is really a hard saying. And they're going to turn and walk away. Because you see again, what they want, what they desire, what they long for is just what they can get out of it right now. Why do you think think so many of the television preachers draw in millions and millions of dollars a year? It's because they tell people, listen, it's a matter of the here and now. You can get what you want right now. It's not just about spiritual stuff. It's, it's about material stuff. You know, you want a new car, then just send me $1,000 and I'll pray for you and you're going to get a new car. 
You want, you want $10,000? Send me $1,000. it will be multiplied 10 times, maybe 100 times. You know, just we're all thinking about that what's really important is what's happening now. And Jesus is saying here, I want to tell you who I am. I want to tell you who I am. I'm the bread of life. And if you eat of me, if you eat of this bread, you will never, ever hunger again. Really? My belly will never have to be filled? No, that's not what he's saying. He's talking about spiritual hunger here. Every single person on the face of this earth has a spiritual hunger. Now, Paul says it's been so distorted by the fall in, in Romans chapter 3 that, that we don't pursue where the spiritual hunger can really be met. We don't pursue this bread of life. We may pursue it in alcohol. We may pursue it in drugs. We may pursue it in illicit uh, encounters with people who are not our mate. We, we may do all sorts of things as people to, to fulfill this, this spiritual emptiness. And, and, uh, and we go after it in all the wrong places, with all the wrong people, in all the wrong ways. It's there. C.S. Lewis said, you know, or it wasn't C.S. Lewis, it was Pascal, said, I think C.S. Lewis quoted him, so I guess technically I'm right on both of them. But Pascal said, you know, Blaise Pascal said, there is within every person a, a God-shaped vacuum that can only be filled by Jesus Christ. And there's truth to that. That doesn't mean there's deity within us. doesn't mean we're divine. There's that divine spark. That's not what he's saying. He's saying there's something that has been left empty because of the fall, and the bread of life is the only thing that can fulfill that, that can fill that up. It's only Christ. And you know people who have that emptiness and they want to fulfill it any way they can. They just want to dull it. And dulling it never fulfills it. I got a friend who wrecked his life because he was so, so needing something. There was some emptiness within him and, and he decided he would just fill it with drugs. He wrecked his life because of that. You know people like that. Jesus is saying, I want you to understand something. This is a matter of faith. This is a matter of believing that I am who I say that I am. It's a matter of understanding that I am God incarnate. I am the one that has come down out of heaven that I may give life to those who believe. It's who he is what he's all about that's what his call is come to me you who are burdened and heavy laden and i'll give you rest come to me and i'll give you bread to eat that will lead to eternal life come to me and i'll give you water to drink and you'll never thirst i'm the living water we saw that back earlier in this gospel now he's the living water now he's the bread of life and i'm the one who can give this to you and i'm the only one who can give this to you and you cannot work and earn it Here's the only work of God. That's what he says. Here's the only work of God, verse 29, that you believe in him whom he has sent. It's the work of God. Trust. Trust in him. Believe in him. Cast yourself upon him. Cry out for his mercy. 
and say, Lord, I, I've tried everything in the world. I, I've tried things that are illicit. I've even tried good things. You know, I, I, I kind of dwelled on the drugs and sex and, the, and, and alcohol and stuff to fill that emptiness, but don't you understand, there are a lot of people who are trying to fill that emptiness with just a religious activity. Oh, if, if I can just go to church one more time, if I can just, if, if I can just you know, feed one more hungry person, if I, if I can just give, give a little more to the offering, if I, if I, then God will like me for that. That has nothing to do with this. Understand that. We try to fill it with a religious activity. Remember this. Paul made it clear in Galatians chapter 6, but I want to remind you this. In, in this world that we live in, there are only two types of religion. There are not thousands of religions. There's thousands of manifestations, but there are only two types of religion. There's a religion of divine, uh, there's a religion of human achievement, which a lot of people in a lot of Baptist churches, and a lot of other kind of churches too, but I just pick on us because we are that. A lot of people in churches who are trying to achieve something for God, and it'll always end up short. There's a religion of human achievement never works every world religion is like that if i can pray enough pray five times a day if i can bring enough if i can give enough sacrifice then i'll be made right with god and jesus said that the, the law cannot save you works cannot save you and then there's the religion of divine accomplishment what he did what he did on the cross and by his Holy Spirit has applied to your life. He has, we sang that his, his, his righteousness exchanged for our sin. It's a divine transaction. It's not something you do. Lord, I'll take two gallons of your righteousness and I'll give you all of my sin. That's not what it is. It's that transaction that takes place from the cross to those who believe. It's a religion of divine accomplishment, what he did. That's why I say periodically that this corporate worship that we come into ought to be here to remind us that our hope is not found in what we do for God, but our hope is found in what Christ has done for us on the cross. Divine accomplishment, not human achievement. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, you know, it's not, Christianity is not let's try harder. Christianity is not let's try to be better. Christianity is not try to clean up my life. Christianity is fall down before the Lord Jesus Christ and say, I believe in you. I eat of your bread, your bread that gives life, your bread that never has to, to come to an end, your life, your bread that gives eternal life, your life that gives life. That's what Jesus wants us to hear today. Even we who are believers, even we who are in Christ, need to be reminded sometimes. Because, boy, Satan will try to, will try to do a number on us. He'll try to say, oh, boy, if you really belong to Christ, you wouldn't think that. Maybe if you really belong to Christ, you wouldn't do that. Oh, man, now I've got to work hard to get that straightened out. No, you've got to cast yourself upon the grace of Christ and believe in him. And he takes care of the cleaning job, okay? He cleanses. He restores. He picks us up. He sets us back on his path.
psalmist prayed, Lord, lead me in your path. Lead me in the paths of your righteousness. Lead me in the everlasting way. Lead me in the way that, that, that brings a walk with you, not a dependence upon self. Jesus says, listen, <laughs> I, I think he's saying to these people, I can do all sorts of signs for you. I can do all sorts of miracles for you. But, but you're so caught up in your materialism that you'll never see the sign. You'll always just want a miracle. So often that's the way we are. So often we come to Christ, even on Sunday morning, and say, well, Lord, what have you done for me lately? And what have you done for me lately? Christian ought to never do that. Christian ought to come to worship every Sunday with our eyes focused on the cross and our eyes focused on that sacrifice and say, Lord, if you never give me another nickel, if you never give me another house, if you never give me another car, if you never give me anything, Lord, you are my sufficiency. He's saying, you are my all. You are everything. You are my bread. You are the bread of life. Let's pray. My, my question to you this morning is this, with your heads bowed and eyes closed as you pray. Have you eaten of this bread? The bread that gives eternal life, the bread that is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Have you come to Him? Is your trust in Him? And I would ask you, if you would tire trying to do it yourself. If you would tire of trying to say, I've got to earn this the American way. Would you just cast yourself upon Christ, upon His cross, upon His grace and mercy and truth? Father, I don't know the hearts of every person in this room. I, I truly don't know the hearts of any of them. Only you do. But Father, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit will search our hearts. And Lord, if, if you find in any of us that we're dependent in our works, that you would, Lord, you'd give us bread to eat that leads to eternal life. Trust in the Son. Trust in your only begotten Son. Trust in God incarnate. Trust in Jesus Christ. Father, may your Spirit lead us to real faith. May your Spirit lead us to total truth in your Word. Thank you, Father, for your presence here this morning. We pray in Jesus' name.